Hey, Chicago West. I'm Danielle Kelly with Angela Fryer for another episode of Digging Deeper. Um, this week, we're going to talk about last Sunday's sermon from Pastor Kenneth. His sermon, what was the title? Was Jesus exhibits what he expects. That was the sermon title, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I have to adjust to Pastor Kent's sermon notes. They're very different than Pastor John's. Yes. So, uh, we are going to talk about Mark chapter 2, verse 13 to 17. That was kind of a shorter passage. Can mm-hmm. you read that? Yep. Okay. Okay. It says, uh, he went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he reclined at the table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, but there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciple, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are, are well have no need for a physician. But those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Mm. Wow. So this one, I really love Trouton Frames, his quotes for this, because I read the passage before we preached, and I was like, oh, wow, that was really creative, how it came up with it. So the whole premise was Jesus exhibits what he expects. And he started off asking the question of who has positively influenced your life? Because he said, um, we see those people when we go, oh, I want to do what they're, they're doing what they say, like they say it and they actually do it. So I want to ask you, who has been someone who's been influential in your life? Well, so when he first started, he talked about the, like, what would Jesus do? But then made the point, like Jesus, he actually did this, which I thought was good. So I was thinking about, I was really thinking about in terms of that. And sometimes when you at when you be asked that question, I, well, for me, I always think way, way back. Mm-hmm. But I think about the people in my life now. Mm-hmm. And I would say Mike, you, John, Kent, yeah. Deanna, like those are people, y'all are people that I that that's doing, like doing what you're telling me to do. Wow. Or what you're influencing me to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, wow. That's so, so encouraging. Yeah. Because I'm telling them I'm a struggle. <laughs> um, I, when I thought about this question, there's two people that I thought of. I did go, I thought about current people now and then, um, but the two people I'm going to bring up are people from my past. Mm-hmm. So there's a deacon in my old church. He's with Jesus now, Deacon Curtis. He had a stroke when he was pretty young, like in his 40s. So, he, I didn't know him before his stroke, but I heard that he was super active and everything, but he couldn't. Um, after he stroked, his body was kind of disfigured, but he was such a, like a fatherly figure for me. And he was always seeking after the Lord. Mm. There's this book, um, uh, what is it by? It's a classic. I can't think of it, but it's, um, something expecting God. Mm. It, it, I will put it on here. On the, you'll see it pop up. Um, but he was really, I remember when he went through that book and was super 
pursuing the Lord, but he lived it out. Like he was a man of gentleness. He was a man of faithfulness, of patience. And he was honest about his his walk. Um, but I, I can genuinely see that every single time I would have a conversation with him, I would walk away and feel like I had talked to Jesus. Yes. And then um, then I have a, a sweet friend I still know. She's um, She used to be my boss, Rita Whitaker. She is over Life Turning Point in Philadelphia. It's a homeless shelter um, that has a discipleship program for women. And I admire her because she is a woman. I think she was like, one of the few women that I met at that time in my life. And she was like so steadfast mm-hmm. and immovable. Like no matter what came her way, she was like, I am not going with the wind. I'm sticking with the Lord. And she she lives out what she says, which was so cool to work under her yeah. and really inspiring because we were coming along uh, homeless women, single women or divorced women or whatever. And I knew that she genuinely cared for them and that she was not just being a hypocrite, mm-hmm. like telling them one thing and not living it out. Right. That That's book good. title is bothering me. Like, I can see the title. It's real popular. But, um, anywho's, um, okay. So, Pastor Kent's first uh, point was, here's an example of how Jesus exhibits uh, what he expects or what he does. Uh, first thing is participation in ministry. He steps into the present ministry. And that was um, verse 13. He said, um, he went out again besides his seat and all the crowds were coming to him and he was teaching them. So I thought this was really interesting how Pastor Kent talked about how Jesus stepped away from ministry for intimacy yes. with the Father. Yes. And go ahead. Were you going to say something? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then how he... He had that intimacy with the father and then he then steps back into ministry and then how he's able to step in and minister from a place of love. So I want to talk about that. Like, have you often consciously stepped into ministry from a place of intimacy with the father? Not often, but I like in the past I did, Mm -hmm. but now I do see the importance of it. Then, of course, when I was, like, looking over this, I went down a rabbit hole of, you know how I am, I said, when I'm, I looked up, like, all these different places in the Word where Jesus, he stepped away. Like, he he had a place, he went to a place of prayer. And he yeah. talks about that a lot. But it really does show us the importance of being filled up so yeah. that we can, you know, love from our overflow beer from our overflow yeah yeah and i look like so i have to catch myself even now uh it's because it's so easy to be a doer yeah and and if here's the, the dangerous part because if you're gifted in something you can rely on your gifting to carry to carry you through but you can be empty mm-hmm. and i know when it's like if i get to plenish quickly i'm like hmm, have i really been abiding before i um am pouring out whether doesn't even always have to be a big event, like a women's ministry event. It could just simply be like, hey, before I talk to this person, yeah. have I really abided in Christ? Like, have I, am I ministering to someone from a place of intimacy or a place of lack? Because intimacy will fill you up. Like, it will fill you up with peace. It will fill you up with direction. Yeah. It'll just be filled with the spirit. Um, so I thought that was really cool because some 
that's something that I need to put at the forefront of my mind of, am I ministering from a place of intimacy? I know on last week or a couple of weeks ago, Holy Week, uh, John, he said it to me a couple of times, Pastor John, he was like, be instant in season, be instant out of season. And when I think about that, I'm thinking about like, sometimes we are prepared, like we'll get in the word of God. We know we have to minister, mm-hmm. but because we are called by his name, like we, we, our life belongs to Jesus. Yeah. We have to be, we have to be in that place of intimacy all, all the, the time. time because you never know when you're called to minister, you can be in a grocery store and the Holy Spirit might say, share something with this yes. person. And you, you are well to do it if you haven't been in the word, if you haven't been, if you just haven't been in that place of prayer, in that secret place. Yeah. Because yeah. you feel insecure. You, you know, you have mm-hmm. all these things that the enemy is telling you not to do. Not to do. Yeah. yeah. You know, I thought about how one day I woke up and it was probably in the winter time. I'm like, okay, let me go run to Target really quick. And on the way to Target, like not even a few minutes from my house. There was this car accident. It happened before I got there. And yet I was like, oh my gosh, I need to pull over. And when I was pulling over, the guy in the car, he was very visibly upset, screaming and everything. And I'm like, are you okay? And then he was like, no, I was on the way to work and tell me what happened. And then I just was like, okay, this is a moment. Clearly, this was not an accident. Mm-hmm. I, well, it was an accident, but it's not an accident that I saw it yes. and that isn't the timing. So I was able to talk to him and just calm him down, like, and tell him, like, God is with you right now. And I waited with him until his dad came and I saw his consonant. Is that the word? Like his, his demeanor just changed. He went from like anxiety, fear, anger to a place of calm. And it was like, wow, wow. Thank you, Lord, that I entered that from a place like I was entering that from a place of abiding, like I wasn't coming in it empty, exactly. you know, and I love how he talked about, um, he steps into ministry for love. Like there's this theme over these last, uh, oh, in Mark of Jesus healing somebody, delivering them. And then he like goes to a place and he teaches them and he's not, and I love that. Like he, he's so concern like yes he wants to physically heal us like we talked about the paralyzed man but then he's like let me teach you out wait yes let me teach you and it, it's coming from a place of love but you remember Mark on the the beginning of mark too and it was talking about how they was you know they was all all the crowd was around mm-hmm. that's what he was doing he was teaching now yeah it's like er, it's like every place mm-hmm. he's teaching now yeah yeah, it's, it's so good. Yeah. So then he says, what does Jesus expect then of us as Christ followers? Um, he says, push into intimacy with God. And he mentioned John 15, uh, 4 through 5, where t- I believe it says, like, if you abide in me, I'll abide in you. Uh, oh, yeah, please. <laughs> abide in me. And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in a vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit for a part of me. 
you can do nothing. Oh my God. Such a great reminder that apart from Jesus, we can we can't even do ministry. Yeah. And I think that we can see that happening in the world right now because of social media. Like your ministry, quote unquote, people's ministry can blow up. But you can see like who's truly abiding in the long haul, not not who isn't. Because when people don't combine abide consistently, it's just like these moral failures or things come up and It'll totally destroy a ministry if you're not abiding, yes. abiding. So we have to push into intimacy with him. What are some things that you think get in the way of us pushing into intimacy with the Lord? Distractions. I mean, today, like anything, any family, like you can get up in the morning and you have your, your plans, like, oh, I'm getting my work, but something happened, something happened. In your family or you just distracted on on youtube or on social media those are types of things that pull you away sometimes i think in some seasons we have to fight for our intimacy mm-hmm. like we we have to just be like enough is enough yeah like you know and sometimes it's easy to just go in that secret place but a lot of times the enemy fights us yeah to get into that place yeah i agree I hear you. There's definitely seasons. I feel like even as a woman, you know, certain times of no, even emotional, and it can make it like true talk. It makes it difficult to to lean into the Lord when your emotions and your hormones are all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, and making it's like making a decision, like regardless of how I feel, I will cling to you. Yes. I was listening to the song earlier by Kim Cashtay. She has a lot of songs about clinging because that's her ministry. And um, she was talking about in the beginning of the song, like how she woke up a certain way, but she was like, I know I can't live without you. Mm-hmm. Um, all I want to do is be with you. Like, it was like this declaration of I'm going to follow you, yes. even though I feel this one particular way, I'm going to cling to you mm-hmm. because I know I can't do it without you. And that ministered to me because sometimes, sometimes you can't clinging sometimes looks like getting in your word sometimes it looks like i all i can do is worship all i can do is like have this song play and it's over me sometimes clinging is just saying god here i am all broken here i am that's all i have and uh that's clinging and intimacy right there uh i love the next thing he said um it looks like, yeah, we push into intimacy with him, but we push into our present ministry. And he says, not sitting back in the past. So Angie, what are some things where God had to teach you that you needed to um, forget the former things, which we talked about in the last video that was that yeah. scripture and, and um, not like saying, oh, this didn't happen in my past, but like what in your past has hindered you from stepping into your present ministry? I think um, sin, like, <laughs> like <laughs> seriously, like sin, <laughs> like places where you just regret saying something to somebody, saying it the wrong way, even years ago, the enemy will bring that back. Will you not fall back? to minister to people because you were so immature when you first got saved. And those are like insecurity 
or or what is the uh, imposter syndrome? Yes. Like, you know God has delivered you. Like me, I know God has delivered me in certain areas, like like um insecurity. Like I still struggle with that song, but the vast majority of like my struggle, God has delivered me. Like a a whole year I went through that, went through like therapy, but like thinking about your past will bring thinking about the sins of your past mm-hmm. will bring back those answers. Yeah. Like the enemy will use that memory recall, whatever you call it. Yeah. To to uh make you feel insecure, like, oh, I'm this way, I'm that way. No, you not. That's who you used to be. Yeah. Yeah. So past and yeah. Uh, yeah. I think for me, past failures mm-hmm. have um, hindered me from stepping into my present ministry where um like I flew out of college twice y'all I wasn't even partying I just wasn't turning in my stuff at no time it was like it's a whole long story but that really did a number on me of feeling like I wasn't able to succeed I wasn't mm-hmm. able to follow through on things later in life would God call me into uh the present ministry that I'm in yeah. so I have to constantly and constant and and constantly step forward even when current failure happens because current failure will happen and trigger the past yeah and like kind of get me stuck and then i'm like no no no, i'm a different person god has carried me through that and i will have failures but doesn't mean that i can't still get up and move forward like i think about you know Moses, one of my favorites but i'll at the end of his life, you know, he wasn't able to go into the promised land because of a failure that he had. Like yeah. God instructed him to do something. He didn't listen and it cost him from going into the promised land, but it didn't cost him from still leading the people. Yeah. Still, yeah. like he still had the minister, even though he had a consequence, he still had ministry in him. That's true. man. Yeah. So um, then he said, push into present ministry, not standing back because of what, what has happened, with, um, hasn't happened. And then he said, push into present ministry because God's love for us moves us to share with, with others his love. That's, that's another thing, right? Letting God's love for you compel you yes. into serving others. Regardless of what your past is or what your past, has, you know, has been, like yeah, some yeah, yeah. I love how God He can take um people and give them a whole new identity. I like the example that He gave from Penn and Teller, yes, and how Penn and, was it Penn or Teller, whatever one of them <laughs> was saying, uh, had wrote about this man that had shared. Yeah. Was sharing the gospel pretty much reward at the end of his magic show, but he did, he doesn't believe, but he said he listened because he knew the man truly loved him. That was so huge. Yeah. And it's, I, I want to, I don't think we should talk about that. Like how often do we as Christians do ministry and do it for ministry's sake, but is not steeped in love. Like I can see, I have seen that over the years where we could be serving alongside one another. And yeah, things need to be set up or whatever. But I literally witnessed somebody one time snapping out on somebody, setting something up for a ministry event. And it was like, how are we doing this 
what is the whole part? What is the purpose of putting these tables and all this stuff up? Well, we can't even love one another in the process. Mm -hmm. That doesn't make sense to me. Well, especially if you got a service gift. If your gift is serving, mm -hmm. that is what the enemy will use yeah. to to just draw you away, draw you away from like true ministry, ministry out of love, mm -hmm. you know? So yeah, that's, that's huge. I think about 1 Corinthians 13, I'm trying to like memorize that, but it talks about, um, you know, you could have all these gifts. You could speak in the tongues of men and angels, but you're just a noisy gong and clashing symbol if you have not love. Like, you could prophesy. You could do all these things. You could preach. You could teach. You could sit here and do a video. You could do all these things, but if love is not in it, it does not matter. It doesn't matter. So I think for me, that's always like something I go back to, especially with my kids. It's like, oh, it's like, it don't matter. At the end of the day, like if I'm not having any love, first Corinthians 13, like having patient, sacrificial love, it don't, it don't matter. It doesn't matter that I'm the one that's initially or whatever. None of that matters if I don't love people the way that Christ has called me to. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. Okay. So I love, so the first way that Jesus exhibits what he expects, the first thing he does is out participation in ministry. He steps into the present ministry. The second thing he does is he has perspective of ministry. He looks out for the left out. I'm like, come on now, Pastor Kent. Look out for the left out, Levi. I think, I think Pastor Kent, when I was listening to his sermon, it was like a gracious appeal. Yes. Especially when he was saying there's no retirement in ministry. Mm -hmm. Like, and you, you know, you really don't think about that because you know, you hear of pastors retiring, but not really. Because the pastors that I know that has that's retired from ministry, they still, they still have the own, like, like John Piper, like he, he retired from being a pastor. But he's doing all this amazing stuff. Or even Ken's dad. Yes. Oh no, Deanna's dad. Uh -huh. Deanna's dad has like a whole bar like barbecue ministry like thing that they did down yeah. in Arizona. Yeah. So I so I love that. Like we we are all called to be ambassadors for Christ forever. Like yeah. that. ain't no retirement. So I love that. Yeah. Message. And it doesn't even mean that you have to be like in a church, like a ministry position to be, to be doing the ministry of Jesus. Like you can be doing the ministry of Jesus with your neighbor. Right. You could be doing it. I think, I don't know if this is this video, the last, the last video, you could be ministering to your, the, the woman that's, or man that's bringing up your groceries. Mm -hmm. Like ministry is ministry, like doing now the work of the gospel. So this is the part where in verse 14 and 15, um, Jesus sees Levi, he passes by and he says, follow me. And um, Levi, Levi, he arose, 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 he arose and followed him. And I love this because Levi was a despised tax collector yes. and how he was uh, hated and looked down upon, but that didn't stop jesus from seeing him that was a qu question he said like who who are you not seeing oh who are you not seeing so let's talk about that like who are the 
people like right now that you tend to just look over or not see? Sure. I don't know. I don't know. I I know today I went to um I went to the hospital. I saw her, of course, but it was a lady that was in a wheelchair. She was sitting by the like the uh park the parking garage. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, maybe she waiting on something. So I went to my doctor's appointment and then I came back. She was still there. Mm-hmm. She was like sleep or something. And I was like, you know, just wondering about like her situation, because I know a lot is downtown and I know it's a lot of homeless people that kind of so I was th- I was just thinking about that you know yeah. thinking about like you know who, who's there for her what I was wondering wondering about her story mm-hmm. and I know that doesn't answer your question no and I can't don't I can't think of anybody right now no I always be the people the yeah I think that's a, a great example I too uh I have to be very conscious because I think like when you live in a city like Chicago, there's a lot of homeless yeah, uh, or people around and it could be easy to just overlook them. Mm-hmm. But when you were talking, for some reason, I thought about who do I, who do I not see? And I think there was a season of my life where I wasn't really seeing my children. Mm-hmm. Like I was despising them because they were getting in the way of like my ambition and my dreams. And I was like, I don't like what I have to sacrifice. And I was treating them like an outcast. Mm-hmm. And I remember more of the Lord dealing with me about that. And uh, I think one of my kids was playing and I actually looked at him and it was like, I finally, and like a veil came off my eyes and I was able to see my child like through the eyes of Christ and I was like oh I've really been um, despising my own like my own children and that's not God's heart so I think that yeah it can be people that are obvious like people who are homeless or maybe live a different lifestyle than mm-hmm. us mm-hmm. or like um it could be easy to to leave them out and then I kind of challenge y'all, like, who are people that are in your house? Like, who's the people in your family that you despise, who you kind of look over and you don't think that they're worthy of God's love or worthy of your love or attention? Um, I don't know. I kind of thought about that. Because it's, it's hard with family. Mm-hmm. Like, when it comes to family, cousins, aunties, uh, distant family, it's hard with that especially if you've had some hard situations yeah in the past so yeah yeah i love how he uh pastor kim said he sees levi but then he sits down with him he sits down with him he said this is not a holy huddle and he he goes was it was he at levi's house or the, i don't know if you remember yeah it says and he reclined at the table in his house Many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. So here it's like, not only did he see him, he sat down with him, he broke bread with him and he reclined, he reclined, he got comfortable. Yeah. And I think that that's something that like we can challenge ourselves. It's like, yeah, we can, oh my gosh, I got an example of this y'all. Um, when John and I were at Moody. There was this homeless man that like a lot of us knew and there was another couple at duty that would like help uh, this homeless man. They would let him shower and everything. 
And I thought that was so admirable. Like I saw this man's plight, but I wasn't necessarily ready to sit down with him. Yeah. And one day, John came home and was like, hey, he said the man's name. He was like, the, the other couple can't help him. Can you take a child here? And I'm not gonna lie. I was like, the first thing I went to was like, are we gonna have bugs in our house? Like all these things that are like understandable. But in that moment, I felt like the Lord was like, that so was enough for you to see him. But you know he can't, you know he hasn't had a shower. You know this is a need of him. And you have the resources, like why can't you open your your home to him? Yeah. And I was, I'm going to be transparent. I was really angry with John. I felt like he, he didn't consider me in that moment. But I was like, fine, like, we can do this. So I let him come, like, you let him come. He showered. And then I came to find out that day was his birthday. And, like, we we, um, we had food, so we're able to give him food and everything. But it, it meant so much to him. Yeah. And that's what I think of, like, sitting down with people. We have to ask ourselves, like, are we willing to, like, enter in their dirt? Yeah. Like, enter, get dirty. And yeah take on their uncomfortable environment um which is actually their environment they for whatever reason they might not want or ask for so that's that's what i thought of of like it makes it easy to sit in the holy huddle because you can stay quote-unquote clean yeah that's like a pharisee but like you know and then the outside can stay it's clean it's yeah yeah, like outside is clean but the heart is dirty and Mm -hmm. that's what i love about jesus here he's just like okay i know levi's despised i know there's other sinners but i love i love you and i'm i'm willing to recline and sit with you in this and he didn't care what people say because a lot of times we don't enter into that to that space because we thinking about what somebody gonna say what this korean gonna say or even when i was Walking past that lady, even though she was asleep, when I had a minister to her, if she was awake, like I would have been like, These people don't think I'm crazy. Why am I trying to talk? You know, so it's that's but Jesus didn't care, he didn't care. Not a lot of how you said that because, like, that's a question that could all this is a question that we're rhetorical because I think that this is something that we need to sit up and think of, of like, how many times do you withhold ministry to somebody? Because it's not because you don't want to. It's not because I actually think that sometimes we're okay with sitting down. We're just like you said, more concerned about what people what think people, of us. Yeah, it's it's the people thing. Like what if if these other people gonna reject me? Mm-hmm. And I like the fact that Levi was a tax collector. Yeah, he was hated. Like they hated. He was the enemy. He was like the enemy mm-hmm. of the of his people. Yeah. Yeah. Like Jesus chose the enemy to be gracious to be kind. So, and then Levi ended up, who is also Matthew, he ended up writing with the gospels. Like, how beautiful is that? It's there's just, it's the conviction on one, on one hand of like, okay, would I hit, would I sit down with Levi? But then there's also this beautiful redemption that if you are the Levi, that Jesus has a seat at his table. As a matter of fact, he'll come to your table mm-hmm. and sit down. Like he he wants to sit down. With yeah. you. I think that that's really beautiful. We can't dis disregard that. We have to think about that. 
when God tells us to step into those places, into those uncomfortable spaces, we have to think about stories like Levi. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to think about even like Paul's story. Yes. Because he has, like, his story is crazy. He wrote, you know. A lot of the New Testament. Exactly. And he was a persecutor of Christians. Yeah. I, he was one of them Pharisees that was thinking, no, I am going like, I'm queen. <laughs> I was like, and you were not. <laughs> but in love. Um, he said, and then there was a point he said, we must see others and be grateful. Um, oh, okay. So he says, here's some examples of like ways that we could look at people as Levites. It could be they come from a different life background as mm. us. They could be from a different race. Like racism is a real thing. And if you're being like held to that, like some of us, it, that, that's crazy. Like even in our country, there are Christians who will not fellowship with one another just because of the way that they look. And then there's the cultural context. Like those are some ways that um, we could separate people and be in our holy huddles. Political stances, we have that in our country. Yeah. Like, you're a Democrat. I don't have anything to do with you. We're a Republican. Um, lifestyle decisions. Like, well, you live this lifestyle and you you embrace this sexuality. So I don't want anything to do with you. But Jesus is like, no, he died for all. Yes. Moral convictions. Like, sometimes there's things that we separate with each other that are not even like, they're not even like bad. It's just like a personal choice. Exactly. And it's just like, oh, no, I don't want anything to do with this person. And then he said social agenda opinions. That's how we could separate. And then he, oh, this is good. I think we should touch on this. He says, um, we can follow Jesus' example, but there's two common ways that we tend to treat those different people. We either avoid them and or attack them. So we talked about avoiding them. But attacking, why do we do that? Like, what do we think we're going to accomplish when we attack? It's just sin. It's Satan. That's all it is. You see it on social media, social media so much. We Christians. Yes. There's something, I'm not going to say what it is, but there's like something that happened recently that's super sad. Was another believer who was like going through a really bad time consequences of their set truth be told with the comment section oh look i'm not even reading this because it was no redemption at all it was like let me just latch on to what this person has done instead of like how can we pray for this person how can we um be lifting them up it was just like attack 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 the lack of grace yeah and and you know i think about why god calls us to the ministry of reconciliation why i mean we're supposed to reconcile those people back to God. We're supposed to, you know, bring them, draw them back with grace and mercy. Because when we point our finger, a lot of times that stuff come upon us. Yeah. So I don't even know what to say about that. But it just, it just makes me say it. does. And it's like, I think it's just this reminder to me of like constantly putting the mirror in front of myself. Mm-hmm. Like, am I doing this, Lord? Is this at me? And, and repenting and saying, God change my heart yes. like make me in alignment with you yeah um so we see this in this passage where yeah there was uh, i mean the religious the pharisees they're like why is he eating with them 
the scribes and the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with the with the sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciple, Why does he eat with the tax collectors and sinners? Well, yeah. They probably was whispering, but Jesus heard him. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, and I love how she, he uh, said convenient condemnation. Yeah. That's like what he, he deemed it of we can either be really ignorant or arrogant. And they're they're being super prideful. Mm-hmm. And, this, uh, uh, and I love how he said there's convenient condemnation that comes from the Pharisees. But then Jesus, he ex- he exhibits what he expects of us by having this inconvenient determination. Like, think about it. He is like. He's the savior. Please, like, no, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to break bread. And even though he could be doing all these other things, but he was also determined in that. Like I said, even when he reclined, he was determined. He, was, he didn't just sit down. He laid down, baby. <laughs> like a pipe table. Reclining back. Lies. That's, man, that's so good. It is so good. And I think he said that we must be determined to have Jesus to love others. Oh, oh, this is another point, too, of this powerful truth of we don't save or transform people. Only Jesus does. Yeah. Now, that right there got me because I think that there are some times where I move past, like, okay, this person, what I once looked at them as a Levi, as a despised um, tax collector. Okay, I'm I'm willing to sit down and, and do life with them. But then I'm like, but you need to change this quick. Like, you need to do this yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that that was a great reminder for me to be like, no, Jesus does the transformation. It's a um, it's a process. Again, this is a theme that we saw the last sermon, mm-hmm. too, where um, like Pastor John talked about the, par- the paralyzed man and, like, how he was in that for a while. But there's, like... At some point, he in his sermon talked about it just being a longer transformation for some people. Yeah, and like, how do we love as people are being transformed from one degree mm-hmm. more into the next? You know, like, how do we do that? I think that I mean, I'm going to answer myself, and then I would love to hear from you. It's like remembering how he trans, how Jesus transformed me from one degree of glory to the next. Like how I, when I first became a Christian. just was a hot mess but then how i grew yeah but then even in growing how there's still there's still things now in me that could be a hot mess yeah but he still grows me and refines me and blows me yeah. what are your thoughts on that um i had a thought let me think <laughs> <laughs> you know what i was thinking it all goes back to what we talked about in the beginning intimacy mm-hmm. it all comes back to that because we can't like there's no way we can really love people where they at if we're not intimate with the Lord, if we're not spending time in his presence. And when we spend time in his presence, that brings humility, that reminds us of like what he did for us. Mm-hmm. And how could we not extend grace and mercy to somebody that's going through probably the same, same you know, situations that we're going through, but what it does, intimacy does, it helps us to really step into somebody's trauma. Mm-hmm. Step into somebody's trauma. Like, like that's what it, that's really what it does. That's what it comes down to is intimacy, spending time in that word, spending time, being, just being clean with, within. 
so that you can intimacy helps you to really continuously be loved by it yeah god like continuously be loved by jesus continuously know what his love is how to experience it how to embrace it even when you stumble and and falling like it's just that intimacy is like his love being poured out in you and and you get to i don't know that's what i thought about when you were talking I, when you were just saying intimacy, I was thinking about it in two weeks. You yeah, it's into the Lord. You see what He wants you to do, how He how He wants you to be. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Living out that uh, what is it? First Corinthians thirteen. Oh yeah, love. Yeah, oh, love is patient. It's kind. Uh-huh. It is not self seeking. It does not um make a record of wrongdoing mm-hmm. it's not fucked up yeah it's not prideful you know the other thing that just came to my mind is um in first john it says perfect love cast out fear and like when you're intimate with the father like that um, fear that's in you the fear what we talked about earlier wanting to be with somebody that's a Levi, but being concerned about what other people yes, think. Yes, that's... And drives that fear all Because yeah. you're like, I'm loved by the Father. The Father loves this person, and I I can enter this. So, mm-hmm. and that's so good. And it, and then the fact that the matter is, we just, we call to do this. Right, it's not optional. Right. Like, we, we, we're ambassadors. We are called to, we're his disciples. Oh, But then God. they, like... This was a perfect segue into his last point. I just looked down and I'm like, <gasps> he said, Jesus expects what he exhibits by first participation in ministry. He pushes into present ministry. Two, perspective of ministry. He looks out for the left out. Three, priority for ministry. Call to those in need. And that's exactly what you were just talking about. And you talked about the church being an emergency. Uh, I have heard this over and over and over again but hearing it um hearing him preach it was another reminder that i'm like clearly i need to hear this again because mm-hmm. i think that i can get so upset with my own expectations of people in the church of like we're the church we shouldn't be like this but at the end of the day it's like no we should be we are a hospital like we are a place where all of us, whether we would work walking with the Lord for 25 years or for one day or don't even know that we have a need for the Lord, we should be a place in a people because yes. the church is not just a physical church uh, building. Like we should be at, like the houses of, of God that can invite people in in any condition that they are in yes. and, and, and minister to them and love them and break bread instead of being like, why? You don't have a place here because that's how the Pharisees were. Like, he, they didn't have a place for Levi. They didn't have a place for the people that Jesus was breaking bread with. They didn't think that they were worthy of godliness. Isn't that crazy? Like, they knew the law. They knew it. But they weren't living it because the first commandment, like, even back in, um, yeah, 12 commandments of love the Lord God with your whole heart, soul, and mind. But it's like loving God is loving others. And they knew, they knew it, but they didn't know it. They didn't know how to live that out. They really did. They really did not know. I think about this. Um, 
So it says in verse 17, the second part, those who are well have no need of a physician, mm -hmm. but those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. And when you look at that, I'm like, okay, those Pharisees were sick. Yes. But it's those who admit. <laughs> admit they sick. You know what I mean? It's those who, like he said, I came not to call the righteous. It's, you know, he really like the self-righteous. Yeah. And Pastor Ken talked about that. Like yeah. that self-righteousness is in God. It's, it, it has no place with God. Like if we're thinking like you're so much better, it just has no place in the kingdom. And I, in transparency, I've struggled with that. Like, I know we've all struggled at some point with like self-righteousness or pride. It's like, I'm better. I love how, I don't know if Pastor Kent preached, said this in his sermon, um, but this is like a sign of self-righteousness where it's like when you're praying, you're like, well, thank God I'm not like them. You know, like, I think you are that I'm, I'm not struggling with that sin. And, and, and it comes from like a puffed up place of like, you've arrived and made it, but you didn't do anything. It was the power of God in you that did it, which is tied to the last sermon where um, Pastor John talked about walking in victory, how the man that got up from that mat didn't get up in his own strength. Mm -hmm. He got it up because it was the power of God. Yeah. And I think that so many of us forget that it's the power of God that called us. Like really at the end of the day, we're all Levi's. We're all Levi's. We might not have had this um, position in society that was so despised, but when you put it up against the holiness of God, it was filthy. Like, it was, it was not righteous and holy. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So that is what we have our feedback for Pastor Kip. Yeah, and um, Angie, can you close us out in prayer? Sure. Well, God, we just thank you uh, again for allowing us to come here, allowing us to talk about your word, Father God. Just pray, Father God, that we will apply we will apply these, mm -hmm. um, this word, Father, that we have heard, Lord God. So many times we talked about love um, through this whole video, talked about love is patient, love is kind, love is not puffed up. And I just pray that for us. I pray, God, that we will step into that. We will step in to ministry at, from a place of intimacy. Mm -hmm. Lord God, I just pray for all of like all of those who are now spending time in the presence of God. I just pray, God, that you will draw them to that place, draw them to uh, their knees. Give us, Lord God, a hunger and thirst for righteousness and your word promised that we will be filled. Cause us, Lord God, to spend time in your presence. You said in your presence is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore so that we can, God, be the ambassadors of Christ that you want us to be so that we can extend our hand to those that are left out, those who are rejected by society, oh God. Help us, Father, not walk past that, that homeless person or the whoever, Lord God, you're calling us to, the people in our household, Lord God, that we have despised, Lord, heal us. Mm -hmm. Heal us from those things. Cause us to, to look like you, Lord God. Cause us to die to ourselves, Lord. And God, I give you praise and I bless your name for all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name I pray.
Amen. And then as we are closing and talk a lot about love, we have to end with reminding you that you truly are love. Like yes. no matter where you're at, no matter what you've done, you really are love. And here's the most important thing. You're loved by the God of the universe. You're loved by Jesus, the Savior. His love matters more than my love and E.G.'s love. So I just want to remind you that you, 